This is the podcast about transatlantic business by MCHM Germany. The Clue. Hi there. My name is Katharina Luise Kittler and I'm the head of communications at MCHM Germany. Welcome to the second episode of The Clue. A couple of weeks ago, in our last episode, we had a look at transatlantic business from an analytical point of view. Our transatlantic business barometer helped us to put into perspective how companies in the US and Germany are going through these special times. Today, we'd like to provide you with some hands-on advice for your company. So many businesses are affected by COVID-19 and have to adapt their routines and operations. They have to find new ways to communicate with each other and stay connected in times of distance. And they also have to find new solutions to remain relevant with their business models. While discussing these aspects, we always end up at one central point, humans. That is why all members of a team, leaders as well as employees, play a central role in dealing with change. To learn more about this concept and how we can implement change in our companies, we invited Patrick Cowden to The Clue today. Patrick is a speaker, author and expert in leadership and team building and he invented the famous Beyond concept. So hi Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you Katarina, I am very happy to be here, very glad to be here. Patrick, maybe we can start with your personal background. You're an American and came to Germany at a pretty young age. So how has your transatlantic journey looked like during the last years? Well, you know, my, my dad was a soldier in the United States Army and uh, my mom was a Fräulein that he met and I am the result of German-American friendship. So uh, my journey goes back to being born in 97th General Hospital in Preungesheim in Frankfurt, which is now the consulate of the United States of America. And so there is a connection, deep-rooted connection to uh, the Federal Republic of Germany and a very deep connection to the United States of America, you know, and my dad and, and his army days and my Navy days, you know, serving in the military. Uh, that, that's just part of it. And, uh, but I'm glad uh, to be here and, and I'm also very proud to be a German and, and have both passports. So uh, very fortunate. Thank you for sharing your personal story with us. So you've lived in the US and in Germany and experienced the transatlantic relationship also personally. From your perspective, how has this relationship changed over the years and how would you describe the current connection between the two countries? I believe that there's a strength in unity, you know, and I think there's a strength in combining uh, the greatness of uh, the United States of America and the greatness of Germany uh, in, in a positive way, in a good way that nurtures uh, positive relationships, strong bonds across the Atlantic. And I've seen that develop over the years, uh, a very strong friendship and, and foundation between our two countries, but also I think a, an opportunity to learn from one another, to learn a lot from one another. And I think the United States of America could now learn a little bit uh, of the advantage of a social market economy that we invented in Germany uh, many, many years ago, you know, and uh, knowing that social is a good thing. You know, people being there for people uh, is positive and it's strength and there's a unity in that. 
And I think uh, we Germans uh, are great at it, and we Americans can learn from that. And uh, I think it goes both ways. Yes, that is pretty much our everyday work at MCM Germany. We want to foster this strong relationship between the US and Germany, but, and you've already mentioned that, there are also differences. We're seeing them right now when we're looking at how both countries are dealing with the outbreak of COVID-19. So maybe we can talk a little more about that. How would you analyze the different situations in the US and Germany right now? And what can both countries learn from each other and how can they work together? Yes, Katarina, absolutely. I mean, these are challenging times. These are difficult times. This may be the most difficult time that we can remember, you know, for the world. It's, it's hitting everyone on the planet. Now more than ever, our ability to be strong and to be there for each other is needed. And it's needed across all borders and all boundaries, uh, regardless of country or culture or a business or company or organization. Um, no one can get through this alone. Uh, no one can get through this themselves, by themselves. So how do we bring each other into our best possible state? And how do we connect that potential and those opportunities to excel in a very short period of time in a very high quality uh, now more than ever? And, and now we have to be able to do that virtually. We have to do that online. We, we can't physically move resources and assets around the planet like we used to be able to do four, five, six weeks ago. Right? So I think uh, more than ever, um, we have to rise to the occasion. More than ever, we have to collaborate and cooperate and help one another. So now is the time to uh, let all the boundaries fall and, and find a way to be better together, to uh, master the challenge that we're in. So I think that's really crucial, and, and both sides of the Atlantic can contribute. But what we also need is a faster way To collaborate. We need a way that gets people connected in minutes and not in days or weeks or months. We don't have the luxury anymore that we can allow our process to take two, three years to mature. We need to find a way to accelerate that in high quality so that we can have access to uh, resources and solutions much faster than ever before. Yes, and I think that is especially true for our economies. The US and German economies are so closely connected to each other. We have very strong trade relations. And as we are seeing currently, many businesses are struggling a lot with the COVID-19 outbreak. And they have to find completely new ways to manage the challenges that come with this pandemic. So in your opinion, what is the number one challenge for the economy right now? Yeah, I think the number one challenge is us. It's our people. No organization can stand without its people. And when there's, you know, fear, uncertainty, and despair in the air, when the situation is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, you have to figure out how to strengthen the core of your organization. And that's not your products or your factories. Those aren't the physical pieces of your business. It's your people, that they can be confident, and strong in a time of despair, you know? And, and I think that element, we sometimes overlooked it before the crisis, and now sometimes we overlook it during the crisis. Now, the more than ever, we have to find a way to strengthen our people, to give them zuversicht is the German word, you know? Mm -hmm. Confidence and the ability 
to still get things done that need to get done. Many, many industries still have to continue to keep survival alive for everyone. But more importantly, um, to keep everyone connected in a time of distance. You know, how do we get closer in this time of distance so that we have the ability to help each other in every small organization of small teams up to the biggest enterprises in the world, you know? So that question should be at the forefront of every leader's mind is not what am I doing for my business or my shareholders or for my profitability? What am I doing to survive? But most importantly, what am I doing for my people? The source of strength that was always there is now broken, the Germans would say. It's starting to fall apart. And if I can't hold on to that and to give people optimism, positivity, and hope, then I may lose something more important than three or four months of uh, losses on the balance sheet. You know? So how do we take care of that? And, and there's systems that take a bit more care over here in Germany than they do in the U.S. So we are struggling in the United States of America because we haven't cared for the people in such a long period of time that now a whole system is falling apart, the social system, the medical system, and everything else, right? So if the system falls apart, it's only with strong words of encouragement and being seen and heard as a person that can give us strength. So I think that topic, our people and strengthening our people, is the most relevant and crucial issue right now. Yeah, that is an often overlooked aspect in this debate because it brings up so many new challenges, right? There are so many different personalities working at an organization or company, and they all react differently to demanding times. Some of them remain very focused and can deliver great ideas to manage a crisis, But there are also people, and I think that is totally understandable and fine too, who are struggling because they're anxious and they worry about their families, their friends, about their job. I mean, we're reading these stories in the newspapers every day. So what would be your recommendation? How can we make sure that everyone is on board and that we care for each other? Yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, important question, uh, Katarina. You know, when I grew up in the military and, um, and, and the, a lot of the work we've done with police teams and hospital teams in the course of the last uh, 13 years, it always has been how do teams learn how to excel in dangerous environments? And we have the experience and the knowledge, the know-how and the process and the tools of how to enable and empower teams to be in the most dangerous environments in the world. And these teams have excelled, first responders around the world, even now, people in hospitals and clinics around the world, even now, right? But that know-how and that ability to face adversity with confidence is something that our people now need more than before. And we may not have trained that before in normal, non-dangerous environments. We may not have felt it was necessary because it was just a job. But see, now every single environment that we're in is in the same dangerous situation and challenging environment that we never had before. So being able to apply mechanisms and routines right now for our people to strengthen them, that would be crucial. That would be of significance import for our uh, organizations, right? So being able to connect and align and commit people 
in a difficult situation to rise to the occasion and strengthen each other uh, would be key. And I think that uh, experience um, probably right now is a very, very valuable asset for any organization, be it um, a, a logistics company, be it a manufacturing company, being a bank or a finance institution or consultants, you know, your people are your asset, right? And, uh, and they're in danger, you know, they're in uh, adversity right now more than they may ever have been before, right? So being able to apply some mechanisms and routines that can be used online in a very short period of time to reach and mobilize 100% of your people quickly uh, that's crucial. And we need to be able to do that right now. Yeah, that is such an important aspect. I mean, you just mentioned it, creating routines is important, that we have to find new ways to connect people with each other. And maybe you can share some more best practice examples with us that can help teams going through these times. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, getting closer in this type of distance, one of the key elements we've got to be close right when danger is uh, coming then you got to get real close to each other huddle together and get through that you know it could be a cold winter it could, whatever it is you know you got to get closer and not get distant so there's so much talk about distancing that we got to step in as leaders now and stop that discussion it's not about distance it's about closeness so how do we get closer it's the only question there's no why question anymore in the world there's only a how question so how do we get, if we're a big enterprise, you know, 30,000 people uh, closer together, like within a week, you know, like right now, we don't have three months or six months to get people to be more confident and stronger. So using mechanisms that do that, that are applicable in any industry uh, is key. We, we call them uh, connecting exercises, you know, exercises that high performance teams have been using for years. Uh, the Blue Angels is a great example that we've learned a lot from. Uh, they're the formation flyers of the United States Navy. Uh, learning from police, uh, Zonda Einsatz Kommandos uh, here in Germany of how they do that. You can take these mechanisms and uh, put them in small five-minute blocks in a very interactive format. And uh, each team that goes through the format will come out at the end feeling stronger, uh, feeling more confident. Um, they'll know that they've been heard. They know that the colleagues are there for each other. You know, in the military, we call it camaraderie, you know, that willingness to take a bullet for another person. That's the highest sacrifice you can give for each other. Mm -hmm. But you're not doing it for your country or for your flag. You're doing it because the other guy would do the same for you, right? And that feeling, the uh, you know, that uh, you can you can activate that at a distance. Um, and as leaders, uh, if we didn't have these mechanisms before, we've got to go learn them and we've got to go get the tools that can do this and apply it right away, you know, uh, like tomorrow morning, uh, just apply it. And once you do, you will realize that uh, humans have a built-in ability to cooperate in danger, right? It's, it's, I saw that in Japan uh, after the great earthquake and the tsunami. I went there 17 times. Uh, and worked with communities that were rebuilding uh, and, 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 and the amount of bonding and friendship and family that happened in the disaster was unheard of before, you know? And that has happened in the Jahrhunderthochwasser in Germany. That has happened everywhere in the world. Uh, you know, Hurricane Katrina in the U.S. We learn from these situations and we become stronger and that ability 
is born in us. It's, it's an innate ability. That's why the military and the police, they can train it because everybody can do it. You know, it's there. But in normal businesses, we didn't have the have to do that. We do have to do that now. And I do hope that many, many organizations and leaders uh, throw away all the leadership books they had before, throw away all the training manuals they had before in the garbage, please, okay? And just go get one thing that tells you how to go beyond everything you learned before. Because if you try to apply the same things you were doing before this crisis, you will fail miserably because adversity will slap you in the face, okay? But if you're willing to go someplace you weren't before and go beyond that for your people, they will stand up stronger and they will give that back to you as an organization and be more loyal to you than they were ever before. But you have to give up the old thinking, right? You've got to take that step and be willing to apply something new in order to strengthen the core of who you are as an organization. Yeah, that is so true. And I think in our societies, we're finally talking a bit more about going beyond and putting all our efforts into the people. The whole concept of leadership is changing right now. We're seeing so many different types of leadership these days and the images are shifting, right? So leaders really have to invest in change. So in your view, how should the transformation of leadership look like? Well, you know, I think it, it puts it, it, the Germans say, status auf den Kopf, you know, it, it kind of flips it all over because if the things you, we did before the crisis Uh, didn't work, right, um, won't work in the crisis, I mean, right, then you've got to reinvent yourselves, right? And you got you got to kind of redesign it from the bottom up because, okay, what would it need now for us to be faster, stronger, and better? And then design that. You know, design thinking is a good way to go at it, uh, to design that. Um, but essentially, um, you have to go back to basics uh, because if it's complicated, there's no way you'll be able to apply it. You've got to go back to the basic elements of respect, dignity, appreciation, and trust. Because when you strengthen trust in the bonds between people, that trust will span oceans, the Atlantic Ocean in between, and America and Germany will be strong friends, right? So that trust element uh, of embedding uh, a routine um, in your Monday morning startups right away that activates uh, respect, appreciation, and trust in groups. And you can expand that uh, and scale it from one team to 10 to 100 to 1,000 teams. That capability is what you need. And, and you're only strengthening that one thing, which is trust, courage, confidence, positivity, and the willingness to help each other through this. That's the only thing you got to turn on. And you don't really have to train anyone because everybody wants that in the crisis, right? Yeah. So you just, you just need a short routine on Monday mornings that get your folks uh, where, you, where they need to be to be strong to get through the week. And if you're not putting routines in place for that, then you're neglecting the most important asset that your organization has, which includes yourself as a leader, because you're not strengthening yourself with a routine on Monday morning that gets you in state to go out into the danger zone, right? and to fix things. And so crisis teams need to use this every day. So every time a crisis team meets, it needs to embed uh, activation routines in the first 10, 15 minutes of that meeting so that they can get stuff done better, faster, and higher quality in the crisis meeting. If the crisis team is coming together using the old mechanisms 
of meeting and interacting with an Excel table and a PowerPoint slide, they're not going to make it. There's, no, there's not a uh, special forces team in the world that uses Excel, by the way. Mm-hmm. PowerPoint slides, by the way, right? Or hospital teams that are pulling out an Excel sheet to figure out what the next step is. It doesn't happen like that. And we got to let go of those basic elements that were 100% of our organizational culture before and throw it out the window and not write anything down. Because when you write it down, it's done. No, no, no. You got you to do it. <laughs> then maybe someone else writes down what you did, right? Yeah. So I think that, that focus of uh, activating uh, the teams uh, on that trust environment and empowering them to go execute with confidence, uh, that's what we need right now and we got to throw all the other stuff the excel sheets and the powerpoints and that stuff out the damn window for now Uh, and when it's strengthened they'll use whatever tools they need to execute the business right but um, i think that's might sound a little bit radical but we're in danger so you know when you're working a job where people's lives depend on you i mean physical lives depend on you you got to take it serious and you got to breathe into it and the answer is you will do whatever it takes for your people. Yeah, I can only agree. And I think all this doesn't only apply to times of crisis, right? We should also integrate these techniques in our usual work routine. Yeah, absolutely. What starts to happen is you embed it into your day-to-day life. Of course, not just for your employees, but also for your suppliers and your customers, right? You want to get them into that same safe space, that confident space, that energized, respectful, and trustful space with you. As you use those routines for your employees, it strengthens them at home with their families, right? So all of a sudden, your responsibility as a company extends beyond the employee to their families and to their communities. So the way it always should have been in the sustainability movement of being responsible for more than the shareholders, now you can extend that routine into the family routines that people can sit together virtually and strengthen one another. You know, that someone says, wait a minute, I got this cool routine for my office. I'm going to do that for my, my church, or I'm going to do that for my uh, foosball fine that can't go play foosball anymore. Um, and that 10, 20 minute routine does something to people where they go, wow, I, I feel so much better now. When I hear that others are in the same situation and feel the same, I feel better than before, right? And so these routines, absolutely, uh, you've recognized it. Once you utilize them, they start to extend throughout the families and the communities. And we get that same ripple effect of positivity and trust uh, to increase, right? Mm -hmm. And, And the funny thing is, the worse it gets, the more we need it, right? So the worse it gets, and the less we interact, or the more distance we have, that's terrible. That's, that's the worst thing we can do, right? And, and, and just because we're on a video conference, that's not doing it. I'm sorry. Just because you see 20 other faces on a screen, that's not giving you that element that we're talking about. That quality happens only in a very specific way when you utilize the technology in a very special way of interacting. So you have to rewrite the interacting rules and, and speak to each other differently than you did before. And, and most people have forgotten the order of the perfect conversation because we were so on our Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds and LinkedIn and that other stuff that we've forgotten how to pay attention for 60 seconds. 
So yeah, we're almost at the end of our episode today. So as my last question, how can our world, our way of living together look like after COVID-19? Uh, yeah, a better world for sure, right? So when we go beyond, and, and more and more organizations will use these mechanisms now in the crisis, we'll come out the other side stronger. I mean, everybody says that. You know, German philosopher uh, Kant said, was uns nicht umbringt, macht uns stärker, right? Um, we will be changing our routines. The operating model of how we work together and how we family together and everything else will be changing. Um, we will have a more solid foundation than we had before. We will be able to move faster and quicker in quality than before. And the organizations that can acquire that ability now will be the ones that lead the rest of the world later in the recovery, right? The recovery time and then the what do we do after the recovery time, right? So those organizations that can do that uh, will be at the front, okay? And they will be the shining example for others. Schools will change, companies will change, governments will change. Um, and I think it will all come back to this core element of humanity and having the ability to strengthen who we are with one another. Um, and funny enough, with online tools that move faster than anything we could have ever done before, right? Because I do believe uh, we need to learn from each other now. And those best practices need to be inserted very, very quickly. And then that new future will be better for us. It'll be better for our kids probably better for the planet because we'll be flying around less than before. I can finally work from uh, a home in Hawaii <laughs> and, and not uh, be traveling on airplanes around the world every day uh, to, to all the uh, different places. So I think it's a better place, but it's a tough place to get to. And, and we have to have the attitude that it will never be easy again. I believe we need to embed the fortitude and the resilience into our organizations so that we can find a way to be strong and close and happy and joyful uh, with each other, uh, no matter how bad it gets. So that if it's a little bit less bad, it already feels like paradise in the future. So that's, for me, the future state beyond. And uh, if beyond can help everyone go beyond, then we've done a really good thing for the world. And uh, I'm happy about that. I think there's nothing more to add. These were perfect last words and I can only say thank you so much, Patrick, for being on The Clue today and sharing your experience and knowledge with us. That was a very inspiring conversation. So thank you, Patrick, and talk to you soon. Thank you, Katarina. And it was a pleasure and I am very glad to be here. Thanks.